Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us once again to kick off another week for the CIO Strategy Snapshot. Glad to welcome back the Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, Jason Dreho. Uh, Jason, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for dropping by on this Monday morning. Looking forward to kicking off the week with you. Good morning, Dan. Happy Monday. It's good to be here to start another week. So, Jason, we do have a busy week ahead on the data calendar. Investors will be focused on the October inflation data, which will be coming out over the next few days. Can you speak a bit to your expectations for this round of data? Well, we're going to get sort of a mixed bag on the inflation data. So on the one hand, the headline number will look pretty good. Uh, we're likely to see a drop from about 36 3.7% for September down to about 3.3% for October. A lot of that is due to uh, you know falling gas prices in the, over the course of the month. We've saw you know and generally fell about uh, almost 10% on average nationally, uh, which means on a month-over-month basis, headline inflation numbers are going to go up about you know 0.1%, and that translates into like a you know a decline in the headline numbers on a year-over-year basis. But the real focus is going to be on the core inflation because that's really what what matters to Fed. It kind of gets rid of the sort of the noise of, of the gas prices and oil prices on a month-to-month basis, and there the story isn't so good. Uh, the consensus expectation is that core inflation will go up about 0.3% on a month-over-month basis, with some estimates you know drifting a little bit higher than that. Uh, on a year-over-year measure, it means that it goes up from 4.1 to 4.2%, so going in the, in the wrong direction. There are kind of reasons why the inflation data could be uh, a little bit elevated for reasons that are kind of well-known. And once you sort of break down all the various components, some of it is uh, there's always like seasonal adjustments. So you have to kind of account for the you know, different patterns throughout the year. And the general seasonal adjustment uh, you know, biases towards having inflation look a little bit higher in the fourth quarter after being you know, pretty good earlier in the summer. There's also some kind of one-off factors uh, that can lead to sort of big increases. For example, uh, and every October, there is an adjustment to Medicare uh, insurance you know, costs, uh, and that's kind of it's a, sort of like a one-time jump. That happens in you know October, November, so you'll see a pretty big jump in, in that uh, data point. Uh, so those there's reasons why it's, you know will be elevated. Uh, now there's also the you know these are things that are well known. Uh, so really, what the focus is going to be on is once you look at services inflation and core services, you take out the shelter piece. That's really what the market's been focusing on, and what we've seen is progress on that front has installed a little bit over the last month or two. Um, and so it could continue to stall this month. So the overall picture, you know, headline inflation is coming down. Core is going to be sticky. It looks like it will decline in the future, but right now some of the data isn't going to look great. It is well known by the markets, but still to, when you actually got to get confirmation, it just you know, adds doubt about the direction of inflation from here. So, Jason, I do want to tie in your most recent blog, that title, See Through Data. Within that blog, you do question whether the Fed and investors will look through potentially hot Q4 inflation data on the expectation for cooler times ahead. So why would that be the case? Well, we know, as I just said, the inflation numbers are likely to be kind of run on a relatively hot basis for core inflation measured month over month for October, probably November, maybe even December. But then some of these adjustments, they they kind of roll off in the first quarter, like the seasonal adjustments get a little bit more you know, favorable. What we will probably see is when there'll be a seasonal adjustment, like an annual seasonal adjustment to, to all the inflation data, will show that this summer wasn't quite as good in terms of inflation improvement, and the fourth quarter wasn't quite as bad as some of the numbers are trending. And we should get that by early February. 
uh, as well as you know the shelter piece has still like a big chunk. It's about a third of the overall CPI index, uh, and that in for September surprised the upside. But all the data on housing prices, but especially rents, they're showing they're they're going down. So that shelter piece should continue to go low over the next 12 months. And if that does, that brings a big chunk of the overall inflation story down. So I think that we can have confidence that inflation was trending lower. You know, but when you get inflation prints that show this is the progress hasn't been made, you know, it's a little bit hard to kind of look through with some conviction that yes, this is all going to be you know fine, especially if you're the Fed because you know you don't want to make a you know a mistake. Um, uh, and as it was, we saw some you know, Fed officials last week talk about, you know, there's still more, more work to be done on inflation. They can't just, you know, call it victory yet. And Fed Chair Jay Powell, even uh, at an IMF conference, commented how we have to avoid sort of inflation head fakes, you know, thinking things are better, but then in fact, actually, they're, they're not. So the Fed really can't look through this inflation data. I mean, it can understand the trends, but if it's on the hotter side of expectations, it definitely sort of puts a, you know, December hike even you know, more back on, on the table. And if the Fed can't look through this hot inflation, then it means the market can't look through it either because the Fed is going to respond to it and the market then has to respond to what the Fed is doing. So even if the six-month, 12-month view on inflation is still going in the right direction, when you go through this kind of turbulence right now of inflation being uncomfortably hot, you know you still have to kind of ride through and hope everything is okay before you're guaranteed or, or you know, have high conviction that things ultimately on the inflation story will get much better next year. So, Jason, I'm curious then what this all might mean for the market outlook near term, a uh, near term meaning the balance of 2023, and then as well over the medium term, the outlook as we head into 2024. Well, we look at market performance this year for equities, but for bonds as well, other asset classes, there's a pretty good correlation or relationship between what is the macroeconomic environment like, meaning inflation and growth, and how the markets are performing. So when inflation is coming down steadily, when there's you know get disinflation and there's you know you know confidence that it's going in the right direction, uh, at the same time as you get growth holding up, that's a really good environment for risk assets. That's what we had right at the start of the year for about six weeks. It's what we had from kind of late spring, you know, late May to late July. Inflation was getting better and growth is holding up very well. That's an environment where risk assets can do quite well. If you have a situation, though, where inflation isn't getting better, or at least the progress is kind of stalling out, uh, the economy is running maybe a little bit too hot, and that the market's worried about you know, inflation reaccelerating, then you see you know, equities don't do as well. That was the case for a little bit in, in late February into early March. But also, that's really the story for the past essentially two and a half months from the end of July up until about you know, two weeks ago, 10 days ago, when the Fed had its meeting and decided you know, not to hike and kind of gave somewhat interpretive-wise dovish guidance because you had inflation expectations or inflation data points. Instead of, you know, they were coming down, but they weren't as positive as investors were assumed. So they're kind of disappointing inflation results. You know, and at the time when growth is running so strong, the concern is that the economy would have to do more, the Fed would have to do more. So that really has been that dynamic in driving markets here. There's other factors, obviously, AI for a lot of equities, that's a big, big story. But for the macro, if you see how inflation is playing out, that tells you how the equity markets are playing out. So if we get a situation where the equity data or the inflation data gets, you know, starts to kind of improve again, that, you know, the expectations for high inflation, you know, aren't realized, then uh, it provides a tailwind for the markets to kind of move higher because then it means for sure the Fed is not going to do anything and inflation, you know, is going down enough that at any signs of growth weakness, the Fed can cut. If the inflation data surprises us to the upside, then you know then it wor- the market's going to worry about the Fed having to do more, potentially rates staying higher for even longer. That's again not good for for risk assets. So really, the performance 
the next couple of months is how does the market interpret this inflation data? It's kind of expected to be hot. Uh, and so if it comes in just hot-ish but not too hot, that might actually be a positive. If it comes even hotter than feared, that's going to be a negative. And, and in some way, it's a bit of a toss-up in terms of how this exactly will play out in the next couple of months. But if you look into next year, that's when we have more conviction that inflation will come down you know, six months from now you know, into next year. Uh, the shelter piece you know, should come down. We're seeing the labor market you know, inflation data continue to cool. So those are two big drivers. If those continue to go in the right direction, inflation will come down. Uh, and the fact that we see growth or expect growth to do slow, that again should be you know, disinflationary. If you think an inflate, a recession is likely, then it's really hard to see uh, inflation staying sticky at all if you get a recession, given how much inflation has already come down without, a, without a, a recession with growth going up quite well. So because of that sort of conviction that inflation is going to decline, that is one of the reasons why we see you know, equity upside over the next year, along with growth being sort of okay, soft landish. But in the next two months, you know, it's much more of a coin toss of how the data is actually going to play out and what the market is expecting and therefore how they'll react to it. So I do want to tie in, Jason, how within the latest UBS house view from the chief investment office, CIO does talk about how there is decent upside for equities over the next year. I'm curious what exactly needs to take shape in order for that thesis to be supported. Well, I've alluded to the, uh, the inflation outlook that we'd expect. But we also are assuming, you know, a soft fish landing for the economy, you know, very, um, you know, slowing growth, below trend, but avoiding an outright contraction for the economy. And in that environment, we expect to you know, positive earnings growth. You know, overall, uh, we still expect about 9% earnings growth for the S&P 100 in 2024. Uh, and the macro environment I described should be supportive of that. Uh, that provides certainly a tailwind for equities to go higher. Uh, we also expect, as a result of this slowing growth and inflation coming down, that Treasury yields will decline. So right now, the 10-year is a little bit over 4.5%. By June of next year, we're looking at around 3.5%. Uh, I think the general story is that over the next six months, we'd expect rates to decline. And as they decline, all sequel, that help on the equity valuations. So it's those combinations of factors that, um, you know, a macro environment that is slowing growth but falling inflation and therefore falling rates, uh, the net result is is positive for equities uh, as long as earnings continue to grow, which we expect for next year. So that's that's the time horizon. But again, sort of near term, you can end up being very sort of choppy and volatile before the macro kind of the dark clouds sort of dissipate. You know, then it provides a backdrop where equities you know can have more upside uh, throughout next year. So just getting back to the near term, given some of the macro uncertainty you had walked us through a bit earlier in the conversation, coupled with the prospects for market turbulence, how should investors consider positioning their portfolios at the moment, Jason? Well, as part of the house view update, uh, we made some also changes in our key messages and focus. You know, for a while, we've been talking about you know, look for equity laggards as one of the messages that was uh, implemented or started in June. Uh, We've dropped that as a message, and really then the key message from a tactical perspective is to buy quality. Uh, we've been saying buy quality bonds for a while. By quality bonds, I mean you know low credit risk, uh, higher quality like such as treasuries, high quality munis, higher quality investment grade corporate bonds. You could talk, we include mortgage-backed securities in, in that category, and also things that would have a little bit more duration to benefit from the following rates. We've expanded this kind of buy quality to include equities as well. So instead of sort of laggards, we're, you know, the tilt is towards looking for, for quality stocks. And the rationale for that is, you know, even though we expect a softish landing uh, uh, and the Fed ultimately to start cutting rates next year, the concern in the marketplace right now is that we are late cycle. And you can debate how late cycle we are, but 
you know, when you see, you know, the Fed has raised rates this much, the unemployment rate is quite low. Uh, other activity measures, you know, would suggest we're, we're, you know, we're at full capacity. These are all sort of late cycle attributes. If that's the case, then, you know, the, in the typical playbook in that situation is you don't want to buy higher beta cyclical kind of value oriented stocks. You want to own things that are going to be you know, more quality in some cases, maybe a little bit defensive, but not have you know, the real kind of risk on post cyclical stance. Uh, so as part of the house view update, we did change our preference and reduced uh, large cap value for most preferred to neutral. Uh, so now we have no kind of bias between large cap growth and value. We have kind of equal preferences for both, which is the first time uh, in, in about two years that we haven't had the tilt towards value stocks. Um, and that sort of was also triggered by an upgrade of the technology sector to most preferred. You know, the tech sector has, you know, high quality companies that have a high return on capital, somewhat, you know, predictable earnings. And, you know, they won't be immune to a slowdown in growth uh, or certainly recession if that were to materialize. But we can have high confidence that these are companies that just continue to perform well operationally and generate out, generate good earnings. So they're, they're good quality companies. Uh, I feel higher conviction that they could sort of perform, you know, in, in an environment with a lot of macro uncertainty. So that's the overall message at this point in time. It's not negative, but given the macro headwinds we're going through, better own kind of quality assets, both in equities and fixed income, uh, you know, going forward. Um, rather than, you know, kind of looking for, for some of the laggards, which on a medium to longer term horizon, we think they would, off, including something like an equal weighted S&P 500 index, but you know, given their the, the macro, given how they perform recently, we think it's going to be more of a, a sideways at best performance for those kind of areas in the markets, at least over the next you know three months, maybe six months. Longer out, they look attractive, but for for now, I think we just want to sort of navigate through this inflation turbulence, you know, the winter, and then by the spring, we think it's a chance then when you're going to start to see more opportunities to add some of that more risky exposure. Well, Jason, very productive conversation as always. Thank you for dropping by top of the morning for the CIO Strategy Snapshot to keep our listeners, our clients informed on CIO's market outlook for the near to medium term, uh, for sharing the guidance you did on positioning and for previewing this week's key inflation data. Definitely, we can follow up on that during our next conversation, though. Uh, thank you again for your time and insights today, Jason. Looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon. You're welcome. Have a great week. Likewise. Thank you, Jason. Again, today we have been joined by Jason Dreho, the head of asset allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. I do want to point out to our listeners as well as our clients of UBS, you can now locate the latest UBS Houseview publication suite as well as Jason's latest blog, See-Through Data, available for you up on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive direct copies of these resources. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways 
and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.